warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies with just, well, sometimes the occasional hint of professionalism and I'm sure my co-host Stephen's going to agree with that. Hello mate, good morning. Yeah, I agree, it's only uh, just a hint occasionally <laughs> and it's usually from your end. So um, it's, it's great to be, to be here again. Yes, um, yes. Uh, we were just talking off air since we last spoke, you know, the sad news of Sean Connery passing. We've got plans. Shall we say New Year, New Year plans to honour the great yeah. man? Do something proper. You come up with something um, completely um, credit to you. Uh, come up with a, a way to actually pay a proper tri- tribute to him. We won't reveal the details now. But um, mm. rather than just rush out an episode just ha- that happens to have him in, actually to, to do a bit more of a tribute to him um, is, is what you, you've proposed and, and yeah. happily we're doing with, with other Friends, oh yes, uh, getting involved. I think so. We're going to go across the uh, the stinking pause family of podcasts and, and rope in a few of our other other friends and colleagues, uh, and two or three, possibly even more, quite disparate movies. Actually, when you look at what we're doing, mm. <laughs> but then again, that was Connery all over, mate, wasn't it? He wasn't afraid to to do a Zardoz next to the offense. He wasn't just or, bond. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we need to talk about, but. No great secret, we will be covering a Bond. We, we've got to. So, um, yeah, we, we're sort of working out schedules for what's happening between now and the new year. And, and we're, we're fully booked, mate. We are chock-a-block, aren't we, at the moment? It kind of is one of those things where you end up planning to have time off work and that you therefore put in a lot more extra work to, to make it that you don't have a black backlog. And then you come back and you've got to work harder when you come back to make up for what you've missed. <laughs> and... Um, the, the plan of usually having some time off around Christmas, particularly for you to give space to, to be able to um, get on with life mm. um, and catch up, recording a, a number of episodes and, and putting a lot of stuff uh, into the bank and onto your desktop, yeah. Um, yeah. which is kind of probably making more work for you rather than less, but the, the, <laughs> the intention is correct. Um, and there'll be, so there'll be, um, nobody will we'll have um, any lack of episodes coming out over oh, the next six weeks to no, two months, really. We're, we're talking end of January, mid-February, that we're, we've, we've got content. It's out there. It's recorded. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this very episode itself might end up coming out after all of that's come out at Christmas and this been in, dropping, you know. So um, Very likely. It's very so likely this is going to be could have all been after. gone and, and, you know, you've seen the, the, <laughs> the output already, but... Um, Yes, we're pre-Christmas here. Yes, so pre-December. Well, we've got we've got a Christmas special lined up, and I yeah. think we did sort of hint at this a few months back. It's going to be a listener request, and that's going to be the amazing Mister Blunden. Yeah, think seventy-two, early seventies, anyway. Yeah, with a great Lawrence Naismith and Diana Dawes, amongst others. So, have you seen that? 
think I have. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I have. I'm not. I, I mean, I have a bit better track record when I think I've seen something to find out I actually have. Unfortunately, you're you're very um, oh, very often you think you've seen something and find out you remember seeing something else entirely. Exactly. Um, Nine times out of but, ten that happens, mate. Yep. But um, obviously, um, uh, Lawrence Nair Smith is is uh, somebody who's not a stranger to this podcast. Definitely. Um, so. So we will, um, you know, give that our our review and thank you for the listener suggestion. Yeah. Um, obviously, if anybody's got any for Easter, um. we've got an idea. Talking of Easter, but if we'd have thought about this, or if I'd have thought about this, we, we've got a, a movie that may have fitted into the Easter schedule. Because next week, again, we don't know when this is going to be broadcast you may have already heard this episode listeners by the time this one goes out but we're getting together with our good friend mark from the good the bad and the odd podcast next sunday to recall what we're calling a children's film foundation special you know memories of saturday morning pictures and those great sort of like 60 minute movies that were created especially for kids at the time throughout from the 50s through to the early 80s you know and one of them is a movie called mr horatio nibbles uh, have you <laughs> Have you seen any pictures of this or trailers or anything apart from what I sent over to you in the week? Um, I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen some pictures, mm. but I think that's all I have seen. Scary no. looking man mm. in a rabbit suit. I, again, I can't remember if I've seen it. I'm sure I have. I'm to be sure. fair, the, the pictures are reminiscent of pictures that I've seen used on. Uh, do, do you know Scarfolk Council? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. follow it on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, yeah um, it's very reminiscent of, of that, really. Yeah, kids' um, nightmares, basically, isn't it? It's that sort of thing. Uh, and the other one was a sort of a great theme for the Children's Film Foundation was gangs of kids overcoming groups of like thieves or whatever. And this one's yeah. more of a, a, I don't know, like an ecologically friendly one. It's a bit, it's a green before you know we we were going green, and it's a, yeah. the battle for. Uh, the Battle for Billy's Pond, which is a group of kids trying to think, stop at some developers from, you know, building on their favourite play space, you know. So we've got that to look forward to next week. So that's going to be slotted in. There's a couple of episodes with our dear friend Tony. He's back on the scene. So we've got a couple of those. Yeah. It's busy, busy time, mate. Just like you said, just when we thought we might be winding down towards Christmas, we've got a little surge of energy um, and plenty to keep us going. Wow. It's... Uh... At least the listeners are going to not be left um, bereft of our charm and uh, reviewing talent. You lucky people. <laughs> <laughs> Today's movie, my choice for you. And as soon as I said this last time, you squeaked. I believe you actually squeaked, didn't you, with delight? I possibly did, yeah. <laughs> it's private's progress. From 1956, the Bolton Brothers movie. I've been looking forward to this since we saw, was it Heavens Above, wasn't it? It was the last Bolton Brothers movie we reviewed. I believe it was, yeah. Um, and we mentioned at the time that, oh, if we do any more Bolton Brothers, we've got to do it in some sort of order because I'm All Right, Jack, is the sequel to this in a way, isn't yes. it? Because it features characters that are in this movie. We'll be talking about that, obviously, during our review. Let's take a break. We'll play the trailer. We'll be back after this. Nineteen forty two, and Britain is at war. Not only on the battlefield, but on the farms and in the factories, in the homes, 
and in the hearts of every one of the 52 million men, women and children crowded onto this island. This precious stone set in a silver sea. Total aggression demands total planning. Britain's manpower available for all purposes is in the region of 20 million. Industry claims 3,400,000. Agriculture, 2,300,000. The fighting services, 4,100,000. And to administer this vast strength, we need 14,732,000 civil servants. Today, the British Army is larger than it has ever been in its entire history. Whitehall's records show that the number of men serving or registered totals 1,683,292.5. 0.5? You can't have half a man. Certainly you can. Don't you know there's a war on? Private's Progress, released in the UK, 17th of February 1956. Directed and produced by John and Roy Bolting, as we said earlier, the Bolting brothers. Starring... And I apologise in advance for what may be coming up in the Village Hall of Fame a little later. Um, Starring Ian Carmichael, Richard Attenborough, Dennis Price and Terry Thomas. And that is just the top billing. Um, Hold tight. When we get to the supporting players, I think it's going to be a a bit of effort on your part, mate, in the Village Hall of Fame. I couldn't believe it. There was a few. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I actually read the cast list. So the synopsis. As World War II settles over England, university student Stanley Windrush, played by Ian Carmichael, receives his call-up. During training, Windrush is plunged into a thoroughly unfamiliar world, with his leading officer, Major Hancock, more apt to being found in a pub than on the base. There's also Private Percy Fox, played by Richard Attenborough, a cunning working-class type, always on the make, the cold and crafty Bernard Trace Purcell, Dennis Price, all are being trained for an unusual mission inside Germany. As we said, it's the first of like this series of, I'm going to say, satirical comedies made by the Bolting Brothers. The, their production company, I think, were called Charter Films. You know, they go on to make "I'm All Right, Jack," which is the the sequel to this, uh, because it features the same actors that playing the same characters, along with references to this movie. If you haven't seen this movie before, well, I know you have, but if you're a Carry On fan. This is out to the listeners there. You'll no doubt start comparing it to Carry On Sergeant or many of those 50s military comedies. You know, this predates Sergeant by about two years. But, of course, we've got William Hartnell here playing who else but a sergeant in this movie. Stephen, look, we're going to take an extensive trip to the Hall of Fame a little later on, as there's many faces we'll recognise here. I'll have to just give a quick sneak preview. Um, we're talking Cyril Chamberlain as well as the Duchess. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, a first appearance on the show for Terry Thomas. Am I right? Yeah, it's the first appearance for Terry Thomas and, and only the second for Ian Carmichael, which is oh, that's um, interesting. Uh, surprising. Yeah. yeah. Um, because those are, are definitely two notable faces and, and character actors um, from British cinema, particularly from this period, which I think it's just been some happenstance where it's come about that they've not been featured before. And it's mm. you know, great to finally, particularly Terry Thomas, oh, yes. finally get his first appearance in um, because how we've ended up not 
coming across him before I, I think it's just because we haven't got to the period of of some of the other films like you've mentioned mm. um the comedies where he hit his hair day yeah. and he actually started being you know being in virtually everything i think we've it, skirted around him a bit haven't we you know he's, he's i think yeah i think it's some of the the like the carry-ons and some of these other one the comedies the series we, he, he never appeared have, in those, did he? That's the thing. He no. never appeared in a carry-on, so we're not going to see him in that or a Doctor movie or, yeah, a, or a Norman it, Wisdom. The franchise is yeah. in the same way. So, but he yeah. did a series of comedies that he became the leading man and they were built around him, you know, or he was second billing to, say, Alistair Sim in The Green Man or something like that. And it is remarkable that three and a half years down the line, but then again, we've said this about the Hall of Fame, haven't we? It's not those famous faces. Yeah, that we and we've not up. done School for Scoundrels and a few other things like yeah. that. And it's just, you know, he, he did, you know, did have a, a um, he was the, the the British toff that oh, appeared in, you know, some American films as well. So we, yeah, we've missed out on having him here. And obviously, you know, considering he is such a character, um, it's it's a desperate loss um, that we've not not um, featured him previously, but he's here now. Um, and you're absolutely right about the the type of film this is. I mean, the, the, I think there was very much a, a, an idea going way back um, post war mm. or around the war, um, as it says at the beginning of this film. It, it makes a point about the sectors of the 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 workforce being, you know agricultural or working in factories yep. or working in the civil service and then about the the military then ramping up to being more than all of those put together and i think that the film industry saw it being very much i mean it happened with the carry-ons it happened you know you're having your your, your doctor series having things like um like you said uh, on the fiddle and, and other mm. things like that where there's there's, there's films that are, are based within job sectors as it were yeah or the army or, or or the navy or cruise ships or whatever um there was a whole glut where that was a go-to thing an easy way for just as a as a setting yeah to then base a comedy around and this is an example of it but this is one of the you know a great example of um using that setting not just to have the everyday comedy of what it could be to be a, a, a conscripted into the army but they've been more involving a bit of a peak of, of the war as well, but in a different way to what you've had really portrayed in anything else um, right up until uh, more recent times with regards to it not not necessarily being that everybody was in the war for an honourable reason. And that's something that is covered in this film. And obviously at the time this film was being made with regards to the army and stuff, I think you, you still had national service, didn't you? Exactly. I mean... You mentioned on the fiddle there, uh, 1961, Sean Connery, yet again. Um, and I've just done a very short review of that for the Talking Pictures TV podcast because it's being screened in the next couple of weeks. Love, and, love, love. <laughs> yeah, but then when this episode goes out, it'll be long gone, mate, by then. Okay. <laughs> the Boltings, we know with things like Heavens Above and I'm All Right, Jack, they've got this real satirical bite to them. And when you watch the beginning of this, it has got this remarkable public information film that they've created, as you, you, you hinted at just then. It's like a recreation of a newsreel, isn't it? Showing how the British wartime population was divided between, I think it was the armed forces, industry, the land and the rest, 
right? Yeah. The vast majority placed above all others civil servants, 14 million or something. So immediately you think, is this going to be a satire on bureaucracy? Because that's what sort of hint he's hinted at at the beginning. Mm. But it develops more into a sort of an army caper. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of the first ones, because as I say, this predates Sergeant by a couple of years. On the fiddle was 61. It's the tail end of this whole little genre that included things like the square peg possibly is that that could sort of fit in there yeah, yeah. Norman wisdom um so you think it's going to be more satirical because of this wonderful opening this really unique opening of this this fake public information film but it does just settle down into a caper yeah and it, it picks apart the um evenly it picks apart mm. the 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 class stereotypes as well, um, as well as the, oh, yeah. the sort of, you know, you've got your academics, you've got your upper class people, you've got your working class people, and all of them are fair game um, without without it being punching down or punching up. It's just, uh, you know, punching in every direction with regards to the, the jokes. Um, but without it being vicious, it's just uh, more just tongue-in-cheek. Um, and the, the beauty of the the Bolton Brothers productions is usually the, the the subtlety with which there's the the extra bits in there that you don't maybe appreciate easily if you know without paying a bit more attention to it. You can enjoy this film quite easily just watching it through and the laughs and the, the caper like you say yeah. and the, the, the particularly the the acting and the characterization. But there's little things in there, little comments that are made, um little callbacks within the film, um callbacks outside the film as well now I think of it because uh, there's the Richard Attenborough sat in the cinema watching a film that he's actually in <laughs> watching himself um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um you know that it, it's it's clever and it's probably why it, it does drift above a lot of the others that were doing you know picking the part of the professions as a setting um it it does lift a, a bit above that uh, those of us because it's finely crafted in a way that isn't in your face finely crafted it's just just is very just subtle, well done very yeah. subtly done um you don't realize it actually and and there's a marvelous dedication right at the end of the film the film is actually dedicated to all those who got away with it this film is respectfully dedicated and and that's that is the theme of this movie isn't it it's like you said not everybody's in in this war t- to fight, everybody was trying to get away with what they could get away with, uh, right from uh, the Peter Jones character Egan up to Richard Attenborough, you know Fox, and a marvelous character played by Dennis Price, who is yeah. again not that familiar to this podcast. I mean, we'll go to the Hall of Fame, but I don't think we've seen Dennis Price too many times, two or three possibly, and he absolutely nails it with his performance as Trace Purcell absolutely nails it in this there's a thing uh, with, with Dennis Price where he, he um, you know he's obviously a, a, a good looking chap and he's got um, he's got character about him and can obviously put in a good performance mm. and have you know just oozes a certain amount of suave sophistication yeah. but he, he, he there's something about him that stopped him from being this sort of the the leading man, romantic lead sort of thing. He was always he always seemed to be sort of pushed to, towards playing 
the the slightly suspect or, or downright rotter. Yeah, was, slimy civil some, servant type thing. Yeah, or yeah, or, or, or dodgy officer in this case. Yeah, yeah. and and I mean he excels in those parts. Oh yes, but um, it's it, you know he, he for some reason there's just something about him that just makes him seem a bit bit more of a of a, of a sly um, character just by looking at him, unfortunately, and. Um, <laughs> No disrespect to to his character as a person off off screen, but um and and that's uh, so you know you see him on on a screen and you instantly think oh hey oh, something's dodgier then <laughs> um, and um, what well, you do if you're from Yorkshire and um uh, it's you know he's absolutely plays the part with a, a plum and is completely that there's a, there's a cape to be had and the, the oh, yes. operation the, hat rack. Yeah, and what we're seeing, and what the um, what the lead character Ian Carmichael's uh, Windrush isn't isn't seeing um, as he's involved in this caper is you know it's waiting for the penny to to drop off for, <laughs> for it to catch up with with him as it were. Well, the 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 basis for Operation Hat Rack is towards the end of the war. I think it's you know obviously after D Day, so they're going to recover. Is it the artwork that has been looted by the Germans over the years? But the the reality is, they're going to steal them and, and sell them to two crooked art dealers. And there's this marvelous sort of like planning stage where everybody's dressed up as Germans and learning German and speaking German in preparation for this undercover operation. Um, but isn't Win well right? Did Winrush speak Japanese? Winrush had been uh, been funneled towards going and doing, um, uh, uh, becoming a translator, and, yeah. and um, his his uncle, who um, is the Dennis Price character, um, decides to take advantage of this to pull him in um, to give him a bit more of a, of a role where he's not going to be getting shot and killed necessarily. Mm. Um, Try to get him in on the fiddle, as it were. Yeah. To quote another film. Yeah. Um, but he didn't realise that yes, he's been doing the uh, the translation academy, but he he's been learning Japanese <laughs> rather than German, which kind of all falls apart then when he's um, he, he ends up out on the mission um, because the the Germans don't really recognise the Japanese as as well as the Japanese would. <laughs> so you think this is going to start off as a typical like carry on sergeant type movie? You know, it's going to be the the scrapes and the fun that's had in basic training and, and that sort of thing. And it, it does do that for the first sort of like yeah. third of the movie. You get that and you, you think that's where it's going to go. But then all of a sudden it takes this real sort of diversion into, right, okay, well, this is where the plot's going. We've got this secondary plot now happening that there is something dodgy going on. And, and, and the brigadier, Trace Purcell, Dennis Price, is Windrush's uncle, isn't he? Yes. So, so there, there it's... You know, he takes him under his wing because, you know, to protect him as such. But then you've also got Major Hitchcock, Terry Thomas. Let, let's talk about the man. This is this was part of the reason I recommended this today, because we needed to we needed to bring this man into the fold. Absolutely adore Terry Thomas, even though I don't think he played any other character apart from Terry Thomas in his entire career. I'm I'm not wrong in saying that, am I, mate? He, no, he, no, he, he, he literally he, found his niche and stuck with it, didn't he? Yeah, he, he that's that was his entire <laughs> career playing, playing, um, playing the same character 
and okay, you know, there's slight deviations in being whether he was um, somebody who, who was actually a, a rotter himself, or he was somebody who has been exasperated by by rotters. Yes. But essentially, he was, you know, he, he was always, you know, the the ladies' man, the one that was, you know, getting involved in in things that were skirting uh, the law, and and um, from an upper class point of, of view. Which is uh, amazing for for what he born in Finchley or something. He, he was North well, London, yes. He yeah, was born in North he London. Yeah, he he wasn't necessarily as upper class as he, he came across. He was elocution, <laughs> but um, I mean, his life tragically is is tail end of his life was. Oh, I remember yeah. it well. I remember but, um, it well. Yes, it was it was quite sad to see. Yeah, uh, um, relying upon charity mm. and stuff when he he was ill, but um. But yeah, I mean, as you say, his performances—they're very much of the same ilk, and and marvelously so. I mean, oh, enjoyable yes. every single one of them. In fact, you know, um, even in some films that might be a bit duff, really, you could enjoy his performance in it. <laughs> um, so you know, he, he would always add to any film he was he was in. In this film, to be honest, he he, he probably it's probably one of the films that he's in that he adds least to. Yeah, really, he's, he's um, not. From, not top billing here, is he? I mean, he's no. you know he's about fourth or fifth down on the bill. Even though by now he's quite well established as an actor. Yeah, there's uh, a film I did see uh, two months ago, and the name's just gone out of my head now. It's one about um, I might even have Ian Carmichael in it. It's about a, a upper middle class family trying to sort out the wedding, um, oh. and um, he he plays a, a Cornish policeman. Um, oh. just Terry Thomas, just like a cameo in it, Cornish policeman. So he's got an accent on, and he's not an upper class tough and stuff. Right. And and that's um, uh, the only breakout performance from um, what we're we we used to um, with him. Because oh. um, otherwise, absolutely everything else he did was was completely within the same same ilk. It's like um, you said, wasn't it? When he finally got this quite extensive Hollywood career, a few years after this, he was the turn to. Cad Bounder, yeah, wasn't he? That's, that's the thing. Happy uh, is the bride. That was it. Happy with is Ian Carmichael in it. So. We will come to that eventually. Then mate, I'm One sure. Day, yeah, will, yeah. But um, it, as I say, absolutely, he, he found his niche and he did it with a plum. <laughs> and you know, more Terry Thomas, please. Yeah, that's that's what we have to do. I think we're going to certainly. We've, there's so many we can do. You know, the Green Man. As I said, I'm all right, Jack. We're going to do very soon. School for scoundrels. School for yeah. Blue murderers and Trinians. And, we might even chuck in a couple of the Hollywood ones just because he's in them. Who knows? But then a lot of the Hollywood stuff is not that good, he, even though no. he is good in it. Um, the stuff he was, you know, asked to, the movies he was asked to appear in aren't particularly brilliant. You commented on a Twitter post that I, I made earlier in the week that I was actually quite grammatically correct in putting a dash between Terry and Thomas. Yes. Because his real name was Thomas Terry, wasn't it? I think his full name yeah. was Thomas Terry Hoare Stevens was his real name. Um, so he, he sort of swapped it around and put the dash in there. Now you you gave um, a rude reason for why the dash was there. Is is that is that a genuine thing you heard, or did you make that up? I just made that up. Oh, I was yeah. going to say right, okay, because <laughs> Terry Effing Thomas, yeah, um, Terry Effing Thomas, yeah. yay! No, the dash uh, is that there. kind of thing. Yeah, um, but yes, it, it could work. You know, it's believable. 
Um, he actually did put an, an explanation out there yes. as to why yeah. um, the dash was there, not because he's reversed his name, but was to do with the gap between his teeth. Yes. You've heard this story, haven't oh, you? Yeah. 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 And apparently it was a third of an inch, 8.5 millimetre gap. And it was, you know, that was what he was known for, you know, and the, and the cigarette holder and the bowler hat and the cravats. And, and, and in this particular movie, is this the first instance of you absolute shower? I, I think, think it is. I yeah. think it is, and it, it carried on, didn't it? He, he realised that people had picked up on a catchphrase that he wasn't aware of, which which listeners of this podcast will be familiar with because it's part <laughs> of the outro. It's literally the first thing that's said after we say goodbye every week, because it is so well known. Yeah, it's what he's known for, and I'm so glad we've actually got round to a Terry Thomas movie um, and it's one of his best performances I think just playing Major Hitchcock playing Terry Thomas that's that's what he does I think it's him starting off in the role to which we'll become accustomed to um, appreciating him in mm. um, absolutely you know from this point onwards although he'd done things before from this point onwards really this is the Terry Thomas we know and love yeah. um, just expanding and and repeating um and building it you know building the part out really yeah it just carries on with this but from this point onwards this is this is just the birth of the terry thomas we know and love while we're talking about actors and people that have appeared in the movie we need to spend well we're going to spend a bit of time in the village hall of fame mate because as i hinted at earlier this cast list is absolutely incredible have you got your key Take a little wander up the path and go into the village on the phone. Stephen, before we go into the Village Hall of Fame this week, can I just extend a huge thank you to yourself? One, for the effort I believe you may have had to have put in for, for this particular movie. And secondly, for the wonderful for the wonderful graphic artwork you've done to illustrate the Village Hall of Fame, which has now started to go up on our Twitter feed and the Facebook group. I put the first five or six inductees into the Hall of Fame, including Mr. Victor Harrington, amongst Victor. others. Yes, so thank you. Uh, we have had some comments on how wonderful they look. So please continue well, to do that, mate. Just, it's just how the village hall looks in my mind inside. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. You know, it's uh, more than welcome. I'm happy to to contribute. You do the bulk of the work on on this, so me doing my bit um, in little ways I can. Um, but yes, that's how I, is how I imagine that the village hall of fame. It's got some you know some faded photos in some wonky frames that don't, um, don't match Another yeah they don't match and they're nailed onto a, a, a wall um with a little plaque yeah. um and that's um that's the level that we're at because as you've said before we're we're not really posh enough to have a, a proper hall of fame no. it's, the, it's the village hall so exactly so ladies and gentlemen if you do want to see Stephen's marvelous artwork the twitter feed is Ar- at our britannia pod and i've pinned the thread i think to the top of the profile so 
Uh, we've got I've, I've got about another dozen to put on there that Stephen's already done, and to be honest, I think we both didn't realise how extensive this would be. What started off as a bit of fun, yeah, has now become almost a full time occupation for you. <laughs> it's it's you know we've, we've yeah the number of inductees is is yeah in the hundreds rather than um, what we first expected. Yeah. Um, yep. So. And the threshold, as we said before, the threshold maybe should have been set at five rather than three. But um, <laughs> we we've uh, we've done it now, and uh, you know, over over the Christmas time when we're not recording, I'll see about bumping some, catching up on a few more. Yeah, so we've got so a few more in the bank for you to be putting out for oh. people to be able to see the, the faces of some of the people that we talk about, um, are not people whose faces actually spring to mind. And it's even with us, we've gone. Who are they in that film? I don't, I don't recognise them. No, those so, first, those um, first six think, that you done are yeah. unknowns. I mean, Victor Harrington. I, I, it's now the legendary Victor Harrington in my book yeah. because we and then Aidan Harrington as well. It's spooky, isn't it? The Harrington clan just keep cropping up everywhere, even though none of them are related as far as we can work out. And Victor, yeah. Victoria was the other one, wasn't it? Victoria was hoping was it Victor's um, <laughs> daughter, but we've not managed much to find any proof no. of it. But I can, I can recognise Victor Harrington now without, yeah. you know, even not even knowing if he's in a movie or not. Just scanning the background cast or the extras or whatever. He's like, he's there. Boom, there he is. You know. <laughs> oh, excellent. Right. Have you got your paperwork ready, mate? Because I think um, I'm going to settle settle down and, and just let you flow with this because I reckon we've got a fair few to get through. Over, we have, and I'll... I'll... When it comes to the numbers that we've got, I tend to, to not be as expansive about what films have actually yeah, been in. Of course. It's very difficult. Of course. Um, but obviously, uh, the the priority is the, the new inductees, um, mm. those that have appeared in, in three films at this point. And obviously, although we don't normally cover directors and, and such no. like, um, in this instance, the, the director being uh, Mr. Bolton. Yes. Um, it, this is his third directorial um, feature for mm. us um, in our films, so that's uh, uh, marvellous to to get him in. What um, was the other one apart from Heavens Above? He did um, Seven Days to Noon. Interesting. Wow. Didn't didn't realise. Well, I did realise that, but I've forgotten mm. that completely because oh, yeah. oh the, the Ronald Adam link there as well. well okay, ca- carry on. Yeah, okay. different um, <laughs> different ilk. Um, so we, we've got him um, going in as a new inductee. Um, he, he's accompanied by um, eleven other people. Uh, new inductees. Twelve yeah. new inductees. Yeah. Okay, make a bit of room at the back, everybody. We've got to squeeze them in. Okay, off, off you yeah, go. Breathing, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I have to do the the Japanese subway <laughs> attendant with their white gloves pushing them in as sardines. So, um, so we've got Dennis Carnell, who isn't a familiar name, but he was in um, Hell Drivers and uh, Night to Remember. <laughs> George Coloris, who's a more familiar name, but That's he was seven days um, to noon. He, yes, well, he was in uh, Doctor in the House uh, as as well. Yeah. And then um, uh, Kenneth Griffith, oh, who uh, was in Heavens Above and uh, A Night to Remember. Yeah. Uh, John Harvey, Dunkirk and Heavens Above. Mm-hmm. The Glenn, Glenn Houston, who is a name yeah. and, and face we recognise, but hasn't hasn't made an appearance up, and, up until now. So um, that's Donald great Houston's to, brother. to get him in. Cause, hmm? Donald Houston's brother. I think he passed oh, away quite recently. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. It was his yeah, yeah. 
uh, Dunkirk and Night to Remember. There's, you know, it's easier to say people who weren't in Night, in Night to Remember, to be honest. That it's one, one just the... crops up all the time, doesn't it? Night um, Henry B. B. Longhurst, who um, I can't remember who he played in the Mr. film. Mr. Spottiswood. Spottiswood, I think, yeah. He was in Gideon's Day and Heavens uh, Above. Wow. Um, Wally Patch, who was a, a <laughs> yep. familiar to with us, which is um, Matter of Life and Death and Carry On. Um, nurse. Mm-hmm. Dennis Price, finally. Hey, excellent. Um, getting in after the Rebel and Theatre of Blood. Yes, Brian. Which is uh, nice because, again, he's uh, one of the faces that's familiar, as we said, but not necessarily the first ones to leap in there um, to the Hall of Fame. Charles Rayford, okay. uh, Dunkirk and Night to Remember. And uh, and then finally, one uh, that is a more familiar name is Tholly Walters. Oh, um, yes, cool. Heavens Above and uh, The Man Who Haunted Himself. Brilliant. So that's so, 12, 12 new inductees this week. So that's 12 new inductees, yeah. I mean, not to um, take too much time up with this, so I won't actually um, uh, list out the, the individual films I've been in, but there are 10 people who are making their fourth appearance. <laughs> Just wrap the uh, names off, mate. Which is Alfie Kasher, Bill Cummings, Lloyd Lamble, John Lemessier, mm. um, George Leach, Michael Tubshaw, James Ewer, Michael Ward, John Warren and John Welsh. Okay, yeah. So, so yes, and they're added to the f- seven people who are making their fifth appearance, <laughs> <laughs> which is William Baskerville, Ian Bannon, who we oh, know well. excellent. Yeah. Um, Basil Dignam, who we know quite mm-hmm. well. William Hartnell, who we know quite well. Five, um, Brian Oulton. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Silk, who we know reasonably well. And uh, Joe Wadham as well. Oh, um, five appearances. Yes, yeah, so, uh, six appearances. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ronald Adam. Excellent, um, yeah. Doctor, uh, yeah. Dear, dear Dickie Attenborough. Um, See, now he's sort of streaking up a bit now because there was this at one very point, worrying he was in the same point. Terry Thomas position, yeah, yeah. He didn't appear in anything and then now he's cropping up, bless him. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Victor Madden, who is again a very familiar face for us. This one, um, I think Victor Madden's going to be a surprise. I think he's going to streak up there. I, I fully expect him to. Yeah. Um, Joe Phelps as well mm-hmm. um, is having his sixth appearance. Uh, we've only got surprisingly one person making their seventh appearance, which is Miles Mallison. Again, seven appearances. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's just that one of those uh, faces, like we always said. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah um, uh, ten appearances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Guy Standeven who uh, yes. we've become more familiar with yes. since Vince at first not being sure who the hell he was. Yep. Then, of course, we've got the Duchess, Marion Stone. God bless her. So this is is this ten appearances now? Ten appearances for the Duchess. She's finally got into double figures, which, you know, much respect to where we adore Marion oh, Stone. Oh, we do indeed. Uh, we do indeed. So uh, Ian Wilson is the other um, person that's got their tenth appearance. Yeah. Um, and and finally, uh, you mentioned his name earlier on. And finally, uh, we have eleven appearances from um, the governor, <laughs> Cyril Chamberlain. So Marianne Stone's on ten. Cyril Chamberlain's on eleven. Yeah. Do we know Mr. Harrington was thirteen or fourteen appearances? Can Mr. you remember? Harrington? Yeah. Victor Harrington is on eleven. So Cyril Chamberlain and Victor Harrington are now level pegging this is going to be very very interesting it's going to be like one of the, you know when you're at the, the fairground and you put the pennies in and there's those yeah. like wooden horses that are 
<laughs> vying for fun place and they keep end up just edging in front of each other continually to the end um yeah it's 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 those uh these two um obviously Cyril Chamberlain will rack up quite a few once we do more of the the carry-ons and things He's in the early ones yeah yeah so he he, he gets a lot in there but thing is with Victor Harrington you never know when he's gonna appear to 267 credited appearances on IMDB Victor Harrington yeah and we're talking right up to the 1980s almost I think it was it was like a 30 40 year career wow but it's, it's, it's anybody's I mean this is no race this is not going to be you know there's no ultimate winner at the end no there's, of this. Yeah, there's it's a, a forever situation yeah um, but it, yeah I mean it's 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 these people who are racking up the the background appearances, yeah. um, rather than it being, you know, the obvious choices of that course. you would expect. You know, the Terry Thomases and uh, and such. So, yes. So it was a, a, a bumper. Thank a you. Bumper edition <laughs> for the uh, Hall of Fame. Some very familiar faces in in there. Absolutely, that we're we more than used to. I mean, you know, certain people who. We wouldn't have maybe thought would actually have got there. Things like uh, people like Ian Bannon, uh, William Hartner. We could expect it, but Ian Bannon, it's just, yeah. you forget you forget what he was in. Yeah, I mean, you just normally associate him with things like The Offence or you know some of the later stuff that he did. But obviously, his yeah. career started thirty years before that, twenty years before. Absolutely, and he, he's you know it's amazing how he's he, he switches between playing somebody who's Scottish and playing somebody who's Irish. That's um, true. That's very true. It's both accents. Yeah, we've got some very, very good British film luminaries in there that are you know, not not just the big names that everybody on the high street would know. But um, it's taking shape after three and a half years, mate. You know, it's it, as I, we've said this a dozen times before on the show. We personally think this is really intriguing as to how this has developed and what it has thrown up along the way, because we've always said, you know. Richard Attenborough's and, and your Laurence Olivier's and that would have been who we'd have thought would have been there and it's not the British film industry was based on these guys that we're honouring today yeah and there's all sorts of curiosities that are thrown up from from my point of view that it's just complete accidents I mean um, just because of not necessarily the release schedule but the the recording schedule mm. you know the the first person I went to go put on the, the spreadsheet this time round we've been uh, Ronald Adam and going yeah. oh so he, he was in The Man Who Never Was and then yeah. you know half the people that seem to have got into the, the Hall of Fame this time round is because they were in that last time round oh. William Baskerville for example and things so, so two it, in a know, row sort in clumps is, yeah you know. two in a row kind of find it. it all depends on what movie I'll, I'll be intrigued to find out what you're going to choose for us a little bit later on in the show Let's start winding this down a bit. I mean, Private's Progress, yeah. your face lit up when I mentioned this was going to be our next movie. I know you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, that's obvious. You, you, you're a big fan of the Bolton Brothers, a big fan of Terry Thomas, as I am. Ian Carmichael, underrated, I think. We haven't really spoke about Ian Carmichael in this, but I think he's just one of those ones that you've always sort of taken for granted in the past. But when you look at something like this, you think... Well, yeah, actually, there was more to him than Bertie Wooster as well, you know, which is what he's probably more famous for in later life. Another fine actor that we don't really talk about that much. 
Yeah, no, you know, a reasonably local lad to me up here because mm-hmm. he was from Hull and he wasn't as as upper class as he came across <laughs> either. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a, a you know a fine quality uh, character actor to a certain extent, you know, forgotten or underrated for his impact that he had and you know the quality he brought to a film. Obviously, playing a similar type of character again, he got a bit typecast, but he did it so incredibly well. Why not well, take advantage of, of that? As, as Terry Thomas did, you know, if you can get away your whole life playing yourself, just <laughs> just get on with it and take the money. In sort of summary, I mean, we've we've said that this is not as satirical as some of the other Bolton brothers that we're going to cover or have covered previously. It is a bit of an army caper, but it's still a very good one. It is not as knockabout as the Square Peg or Carry On Sergeant, which we've spoke about. There's a lot of thought gone into this, and I think what elevates this one up a little bit more is the inclusion of people like Dennis Price and John LeMessurier and those those ones that we just see week in, week out, and you get this real comfortable feeling watching this. It's the same as a lot of British movies from this period when you see those familiar faces. It's like... Okay, I'm in for a good ride here because he's in it, she's appearing in it. You know, that that was how I felt watching that this time round. Yeah, the you know the resplendence you have with the character actors in there and the performances they put in, mm. uh, coupled up with the finely crafted script. Yes, that isn't it. Isn't just a, a, a one fo- one joke formula. Because um, no. much as we love you know carry ons and, and such like. That you know they they are a certain type of comedy, and that's the entirety of the film. The setting is is just an excuse for for that one thing. Mm. There is more subtlety to this. You know, you've got the callbacks where the the sat in the education class talking about how to get away with not pe- you know getting um, twelve people a, a, across country on a train and only paying for two <laughs> tickets, yeah. uh, which then is then is a callback later on later in the film when they um, actually do that. That's right. It's things like that that come into it that are, are quite useful. Um, it stops you from being in a situation where you're, you're going down just one route, as it were. Yeah, you've got to remember uh, also this is the precursor to Carry On Sergeant and the Square Peg and On the Fiddle anyway. So a lot of the ideas that were introduced in this movie, this would be the first time that they'd have been seen anyway, so it's quite unique. You know, this yeah. is the, the forerunner to all of those, pretty much. I don't think there was many... There were probably a couple before, but this one's no, the one that's and mo- this, this more... this is a fine example of it as well. Yeah. And, and bringing, in, bringing in, as you say, the character actors, and, and a lot of them in bit parts that you wouldn't uh, wouldn't recognise. Um, oh, I just I forgot to... I mean, I did my list of people. I forgot yeah. to mention fourth appearance for Christopher Lee. Oh, Yeah. Um, and he, you know, appearing as a German in it, um, very much a bit part. He's he's on screen for what two minutes or something over. Yes. Um, and that that gone, and uh, amazing that you know that, that at this point, <laughs> he, he just it just appears like that, and and uh, along with everybody else who's in it, you know, you, I kept expecting at some point to have George Cole pop up in the background and all these kind of, this. Is, well, just, the only one it's just got them all crammed in there. Yeah, you, you're just missing Alistair Sim and John Mills, mate. That's pretty much yeah, yeah. how it stands with this movie. Yeah, this is pre-Dracula, isn't it? This is 1956. Yeah. Incredible. So, Completely forgot about yeah. um, 
Christopher Lee, yes. Yeah, just I realised that when I'd read down my list, I'd, I'd, for some reason, I'd, although he's on the list in front of me, I'd, for some reason I just thought, did I actually read? I might have read his name out and just forgotten I've said it, but um, I'm, for some reason I'm thinking I, I didn't, but because um, we would have, it would have sparked conversation. But yeah, this is a great, great example of this profession set comedies. Yep. This goes beyond just the setting of, of it being the joke and people's um how they're setting it there's more expansion to this story mm. and taking you actually from the training into a war setting um is a a, a, a bit of a difference as well because as you say normally they if they're set in a hospital or set in a barracks or whatever they don't usually leave the confines of that no pretty much uh, on the on the fiddle does it a few years later when they go mm. over to france again but, uh, yeah, this is the pre-runner to, to all of them. Now, my rating system, it's a four out of five for me. You know, it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's up there. I'd happily re-watch this. And I'd, I think what I'll probably do is when we get round to reviewing I'm All Right, Jack, which I'm hoping is not going to be too far away, I'm going to watch them as a double bill this time. I think I'm going to watch Private's Progress again and then go straight into I'm All Right, Jack, just to, to get that sense of... The, the two movies being related so four out of five for me what's what's your recommendation mate your rating system well just to say that's a good idea and i think i'll do the same yeah with watching them back to back um this is one that i recommend people go out the way to watch it's comedy for all the family it's got layers in it so you can you can watch it just as a straightforward just having some some laughs at some of the stuff that goes on caper wise or you can actually um pay a bit more attention and get some extra out of it um if that's your your thing Mm. um but you don't have to pick up on those jokes you can still end up finding it entertaining otherwise so um absolutely um you know although this doesn't need to be seen on a big screen or anything it would is one that i would recommend people um make an effort to see and and you know probably on a rainy bank holiday or, or whatever um but cool. you know it's it's a nice escapism into um yesteryear and and a, a comedy um that set a tone as we said for for later things even leading up until now really the influence of course of course highly recommended by both of us okay it's private's progress from 1956 we're going to put our heads together over the next couple of minutes because our recording schedule is a little bit out of sync because we've got Christmas specials to record. We've got guests coming on. I think Stephen may have something to announce that may be something that you might not see the light of day until the new year. Let's see. We'll take a break. We'll be back after this. Name? Lingrove, Sergeant. Very on sick report. Well, no, I only wanted some medicine, that's all. Right, report here 800 hours. Small kit in your haversack, great coat worn. But the rest of your stuff in company stores come straight away back here to see me. Clear? But actually, I only wanted an astronaut, I think. I woke up feeling a little fragile this morning, Sergeant. You what? I woke up feeling a little fragile. Here, sit down. Go on, sit down. Sit down. Now listen to me, son. You're in the army now. And you've gone and put your name down on sick report. So you have to report sick, see? You can't go changing your mind in the army. No, now answer me a question. I'm not human, am I? No, sir. I mean, yes, sir. You'd be surprised to learn that I've got a wife and kid, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. No, sir. Well, I have, see? 
And if my boy was old enough to be where you are now, I hope he'd get the same treatment. And for why? Because it's my job to turn a bunch of soft, sloppy civilians into tough, well-trained fighting soldiers who do as they're told and don't ask questions. And another thing, you're going to be an officer, aren't you? That means you've got twice as much to learn. Okay? Yes, sir. Right, hop it. What is it now? Would you be kind enough to tell me exactly what the small kit consists of? Small kit. Knife, fork, spoon, razor, shaving brush, toothbrush, spare shirt, spare socks, draw, cellular, PT vest, shorts, gym shoes, housewife and contents thereof. Clear? Oh, right. Private's Progress from 1956, my choice for Stephen, so that automatically means it's your selection this time round, mate. Please enlighten us. Right, well, um, yes, it's a film that's um, sat around uh, New Year. Okay. Um, uh, some interweaving of, of stories, um, um, some amazing um, British talent in it, that are recognisable faces. Yeah. Directed by a, a, a a uh, well-known um, British director mm-hmm. um, that you know is is familiar to to most people. It's uh, probably not the film you expected me to say. Um, <laughs> Peter's Friends. Do you know what I knew that was on your list? And yeah. Just in that sort of preamble there, you were giving. I'm thinking, well, what's he picked? What film is actually set around New Year? And it is. It's all set at the house over the New Year Christmas yeah, period, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so I avoided love actually, and um, oh well, that's more Christmas, <coughs> isn't it? Anyway, yeah. But... So um, so yeah, so um, the uh, yeah group of friends um, gathering, um, sort of reminiscing about the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, seeing the the young Branner. I was going to say, uh, who have we got Stephen to look Fry. forward to? It's Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Um, that stock cast isn't like Richard Bryars in it as well. Richard Bryars is in it, and so is Imelda Staunton, uh, Phyllis Law. Um, oh, of course, yes. Rita Rudner is in it as well. Uh, you got the the you know the amazing talent that is Tony Slattery. Um, <laughs> Making a bit of a comeback recently, Tony Slattery. Yeah. Um, I think the only person that's missing is uh, Hugh Laurie's in it. Obviously, um, the the only I think the only person that's missing out of it from from people who were. Um, popular at that time is either Robbie Coltrane or um, John Sessions. Um, I was going about to say, is dear old John Sessions in there again? Recent, somebody recent we, deceased, yeah. yeah. I've, I've just pulled up the list on IMDb, and apart from all of those people you've mentioned, everybody's listed on there, but then it says rest of cast listed alphabetically. And I'm trying to think what on earth this refers to. 
Yasser Arafat, Boy George, Leonid Brezhnev, George Bush, Mikhail Gorbachev, Rock Hudson, Saddam Hussein, Michael Jackson, the Ayatollah Khomeini, John Major, Nelson Mandela, Pope John Paul II, Dan Quayle, Ronald Reagan, Salman Rushdie, Sylvester Stallone and Donald and Ivana Trump. And it says, self-archived footage uncredited. Is is there something going on on the TV in the background or is it just... I think there is, yeah. I think that's what it is. There's... um... (laughs) There's, there's there's footage um, rather than them um, interacting I'm, with I'm the sure they're not in the movie yes yeah. as, as such but yeah. so um, so yeah you know I thought it was um, you know a poignant time to do it for, for New Year because uh, you know is it the only New Year movie we can think of um <laughs> the, the only British yeah. New Year movie I can think of yeah I think there has been recently some that we've done over in the states that were, um, yeah, there was a new one, fairly new one, wasn't there? Yeah. I had no interest in, um, but yeah, this is the only uh, surprising, really, because you expect this to be something that would provide some material for people to be doing, and you know, people getting together New Year's or the end of. I'm sure there must be a film out there where the the, cro- the clock strikes for New Year and and somebody starts the old year again and gets the chance to live it differently there must be a film out there that does that a bit like um, well, was it Closing Doors or whatever it was with Gwyneth Sliding, Patrick yeah Sliding Doors, sliding yeah. doors where... um, there must be must be a film out there that's 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 yeah. done done that if not I'm copywriting it um, make a note now mate yes make a note now excellent so we found a new year movie not that we'd make any conscious effort to, to no. celebrate certain occasions although you know Christmas we're doing something we've got something planned for Easter uh, again next year again we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel as it comes to these uh, these holiday celebrations I don't think we'll get many more New Year's ones so let's grab it let's grab it with both hands I haven't seen this since it first came out which is 1992 and yeah. I've seen it once possibly twice so I'm looking forward to catching up on that again. Excellent, excellent stuff. Stephen, thank you so much for being part of the Private's Progress Review and, and <laughs> valiantly fighting your way through the Village Hall of Fame this week for us, mate. That was brilliant. Thank you. No, my pleasure to, to be on here and, and to feel like I'm contributing uh, to all the hard work that you do. Thank uh, you. So I will, um, we shall reconvene uh, next time round. And uh, it's a pleasure to have... Um, been able to watch and review uh, Private Progress. Yeah, I'm all right, Jack, coming up very soon. One of us will, will grab that very quickly, I'm sure. That's it from us. See you all very soon. Stephen, take care, mate. See you later. Take care. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you.
letting the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.